You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Got a cool show for you today. A little bit later, we'll uh, be talking all about the Apple Watch, everything you needed to know, and more. It's coming out soon. You excited, Andy? <clears throat> oh, I know you're excited. <laughs> I'm interested. You know, I always like uh, new technology, and I know we've had smartwatches out for a while now. Uh, but, you know, when Apple gets into something, they always take it to the next level. So I'm, I'm interested to see if they can do that. Well, they did that with the iPod, the original iPod. They changed MP3 players as we know it. Yep. Um, then, then the iPad came, and this is a product category they pretty much created. Even though there were tablets before that, they created that uh, category. And then, of course, the iPhone changed everything about phones. Yeah. So will this change is, everything about watches? And that's and that's what we're going to find out. It's a sixty-four thousand dollar question. Mm-hmm. In the news uh, this week, the tech news, uh, kind of interesting. Uh, the CRTC proposes looser rules if Crave TV and Show Me are offered to everyone. So Crave TV and Show Me are, uh, I guess, digital offerings uh, from uh, Bell and Rogers slash Shaw, respectively. Uh, that are available to their customers that uh, people can subscribe to on top of their regular cable service. Absolutely. And um, currently, you have to be a subscriber to those services, either Roger Shaw or Bell, to get those services. But what the CRTC is saying is that they want to loosen it so that anybody can get those subscriptions. You don't have to have a subscription. Kind of similar to how uh, Netflix operates, where you can just get a monthly subscription to Netflix. Um, They're kind of giving incentives to the the broadcasters to do that. Um, it, and it's funny, the landscape of television is changing a lot. Even their um, rules for how much Canadian content you have to have during the daytime has changed. Before, it was 50% of all your content had to be Canadian. Now it goes down to zero. In, in daytime. In daytime. Yeah. In the evening, it still has to be 50% during the evening, which is when our show airs during the evening. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So that that would technically count as Canadian content under these uh, new rules. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Netflix has made uh, huge gains here in Canada. Um, you know, they're not playing by the same rules as, you know, the broadcasters are. They don't have to create any Canadian content or supply money to, you know, Canadian content funds. They can just basically come in and, you know, people well, subscribe and... That's it. A lot of people were wondering if the CRTC was going to impose a Netflix type of tax to basically offset that because they are not contributing to the Canadian Media Fund. But that didn't happen. No. So, but they, you know, I have to give it to the CRTC. They are forward looking. They, they understand that everything is changing right now and they're trying to find solutions to fix it that still protects Canadian content, but at the same time, understand what people are doing, where they're viewing habits. It's changing. It's, it's going to the mobile devices, and they want to find a solution and work with the broadcasters to make sure that it's kind of a win-win situation for everybody, especially the consumer. It, it, it might sound easy um, you know, for like the Rogers and Bells to make you know, their Crave TV and, and Show Me just available to everyone, whether they have a cable subscription or not, but um, it, there might be licensing issues uh, in the back end that might prevent them from doing that for a while. Like when they're licensing these TV shows and movies to put on their digital service, uh, it might be tied into their cable TV broadcast. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And of course they, they want to just add that on as a service for their customers. Yeah. You know, it just makes logical sense. It's like, Hey, we're going to have this other offering for you as well. But at the same time, 
it kind of locks you in. So if you are, say, a Bell subscriber, you can only get Crave TV and then maybe Netflix on the side. Yeah. If you're Rogers or Shaw, you can only get Show Me and not Crave TV, but then maybe a little bit of Netflix on the side. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if they unbundle uh, Show Me and Crave TV from having, you know, to be bought only if you have the cable TV subscription, can, can those compete against Netflix? Especially when you're looking at someone like Netflix that is getting into making original content. Yeah. And, and it's working. House of Cards. It's like one of the most popular shows right now. And it's, it's funny because it's only available on Netflix. So, again, my question, can they compete? You know, I look down the States, the U.S., and no one can touch Netflix. Like, Netflix just dominates that category down there. Hulu, which we don't have up here, not even close. Even Amazon, they're trying to compete in that whole world now. Not even close. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see these, like, popular shows, especially, like, shows that aren't even running anymore, like Seinfeld. And there's going to be this big, you know, people are going to negotiate and try to get those licensing agreements so that any kind of good content, they're going to they're gonna have the bargaining power because now there's all these different choices. Before, it was just Netflix. Yeah. You could only go to Netflix. Now you have Crave, Show Me, and, and th- that's what they have to do. They have to get the good content. If they're not making the content, they got to find good content. Can, well, can they afford the content then now? Because right now, you know, and I don't know the, the details on these licensing agreements, I'm pretty sure that they're tied into the fact that they're already picking it up in many cases for broadcast TV as well, That's which right. makes it uh, maybe a little more inexpensive for them to pick that up. If they just have to buy the rights for digital and they're competing against Netflix, does that make it more difficult for them? Well, that's what it is. It's like you can watch this show on our channel, and if you don't want to watch our channel, you can watch it on our streaming service as well. So, And I think, I think you're right about that. The licensing currently for them is all tied into the, the TV. In many cases, the, yeah. Not just exclusively for web streaming only. Yeah. Also in the news uh, this week, ransomware is uh, getting uh, a lot of uh, play. And this is kind of a scary thing. Uh, Cyber criminals basically can get some malware into your computer, uh, you know, like viruses and what have you, and basically hold your files hostage until you pay them to unlock them. It's kind of like how you would, like, hold someone hostage. Yeah. Like, you kidnap somebody, and then you're like, if you want this person back, you have to pay this much. Except they're doing that with digital files. These could be photos, they could be documents, um, they could be even your music. Any kind of digital file, they'll hold it. You know, it, it's kind of scary, um, and this is coming to light because, uh, you know, it's happening to people now. Apparently, uh, a family in Winnipeg um, had their photos of their kids held hostage, mm-hmm. and they had to pay, I, I think it was $500 to get them unlocked. So basically, uh, whatever this malware is goes in and locks the photo files and until you pay them in bitcoins, which are untraceable, uh, the ransom money, they won't unlock those files. The scary thing about this, Mike, is even, like, you're talking to criminals here, okay? These guys don't abide by any kind of rules. So if you no. say, okay, I'm going to give you $500 in bitcoins, yep. who's to say that they can't turn around and say, well, actually, we want $800? And then you pay them more. And so you never really know. Can you really trust these criminals that if you pay them, you'll get your files back. It's, it's kind of funny because this was actually um, the plot of one of the episodes of The Good Wife, a popular TV show. They're a law firm, and uh, hackers got in and basically ransomed them. You know, They locked down all their computers until they paid a ransom to get them unlocked. Well, yeah, and we've been talking about consumers and their yeah. photos, but imagine you're a small business or even a law office, yeah. and you have very sensitive documents that you do not— And all your spreadsheets and presentations are, are locked down and held for ransom. That's scary. It is very, very scary, and 
all this kind of data lives on people's computers, and of course it lives on the cloud as well. But I think people have to be proactive in, in ensuring they're protecting their, their computers and their files, especially when it's super sensitive files or important, like family photos. Yeah, I wonder what the police are doing about this. You know, I, I read this story, um, I believe, uh, on cbc.ca, uh, and basically at the end, police say if you have uh, not paid the ransom, you can report the incident in, into the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre at one eight eight four nine five eight five zero one. Like, do you really think they have a, a, a team that, that's <laughs> ready ready to help you out when your files are held for ransom? Especially when you're, when you're talking Bitcoin because it's untraceable. Yeah. So these guys, these hack, they, they know what they're doing. And they're probably one step ahead of law enforcement in terms of protecting themselves from getting caught. It's kind of freaky. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking all about the Apple Watch. Everything you need to know and getting uh, some thoughts on that from our guest. That's uh, Dan Vader. He's the editor-in-chief over at Mobile Syrup, a great uh, website and blog for the uh, smartphone world. Also on later, we'll be taking your calls and questions on our open line com- uh, part of the show and uh, app of the week with Christina. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. A little bit later in the hour, we'll be going open line, taking your tech calls and questions, kind of like your on air tech support, and also app of the week with Christina at the end of the hour. So stay tuned for that. Apple had a big press conference uh, this week on Monday. They uh, gave further details uh, about the Apple Watch. Uh, they're also uh, launching a new MacBook, a 12-inch model that comes in silver, space gray, and gold. I haven't seen any gold laptops yet. <laughs> That's exciting. On the line right now, uh, we've uh, got uh, our friend uh, from over at Mobile Syrup, Dan Bader. He's the editor-in-chief over there. Thanks for joining us today, Dan. Hey, guys. How are you? Great. So uh, big news this week, obviously, the Apple Watch. What do you, what do you think? Well, what was so interesting about the event was that it didn't really show us all that new stuff. It was sort of a rehash of what we learned back in September. But what I found so interesting was that the prices that to everybody else seemed so incredibly high for the mainstream and the edition versions, Apple sort of just glossed over as something to be expected. It was It was a very interesting way to frame a product that people don't really know whether they want yet. Yeah, so for the listeners, they, they have the three different versions, and uh, I believe the sport version is the, uh, the most inexpensive one, right? Yeah, that's the, pro- that's the product that most people are probably going to buy if they buy the watch at all. They've got the Apple Watch Sport. It starts at $449. It comes with a scratch-resistant uh, display. It's meant for sport. It's meant for running around. It's sweat-resistant. It's you know, it can withstand the elements. And then there's the Apple Watch, the mainstream version that everybody will sort of aspire to buy but may not feel it's worth it because it starts at around $700 Canadian. And then there's the gold version, the 18-karat gold Apple Watch edition, which starts at $13,000 Canadian dollars, goes all the way up to $22,000, which uh, clearly is more of a fashion statement and a statement about uh, you know, wealth than buying a watch because it, you want to tell the time. 
Well, it's interesting. If you look at uh, Apple with their Apple Watch in general, compared to, I think, a lot of the other guys out there who have been dabbling in smartwatches for the past couple of years, Apple really seems to want to push the fashion route. Yeah. You know, this is the first smartwatch that isn't being marketed as smart. I think the intelligence is inherent in it. Apple's saying that this is a timepiece. It's a fashion um, statement. It is also a part of the Apple ecosystem insofar that it connects with your smartphone. You, you know, it, you need an, an iPhone to use the Apple Watch in any uh, sort of intelligent way, but they want this to be seen as a fashion statement, as something that's beautiful and to be shown off and to be, um, you know, to be proven as a, as a, as a worthwhile uh, investment rather than just a smartwatch that you would buy like any other commodity. So, you know, I've, I've had a look at, uh, you know, obviously the, the tech specs and, you know, some of the, the apps that it starts out with. What, what are your thoughts on the overall smartness of it, the technology? Is, is, is it exciting for you? It's exciting insofar as smartwatches are exciting. And I think Apple's really struggling to convey the value inherent in the Apple Watch as it compares to up other smartwatches because so far they've shown a few things. They've shown that it has a health and fitness aspect, which is true of all other smartwatches. It comes with a, a heart rate sensor and it can track your steps and the number of um, stairs you've climbed and things like that. You can find that on things from $99 Fitbits all the way up to $400 Android Wear smartwatches. Uh, the interaction with the uh, user interface is sort of, it's confusing. You know, I, I, I picked up an Android Wear watch for the first time, and I was like, okay, I can only do a few things on it, but it's very obvious that I can do these things. With the Apple Watch, you sort of get bogged down by the different menus. There's, there's glances, which are little pieces of information, sort of like widgets. There's the watch face itself. And then there's the Constellation apps screen, which you can select different apps from. And that's a little bit confusing because you access it from something called a digital crown, which is a little bit different than what you would use on any, any other um, piece of technology because it's not the, the Apple Watch itself isn't entirely reliant on the touch screen. It's reliant on this digital crown that's sort of like the, the method that you would use to change the time on any other analog watch. So, yeah, it's a little bit confusing. Do you think people will be able to get used to that? Oh, yeah. I think it'll catch on very quickly. And I think once people, once, once the critical mass happens where everybody's like, okay, well, you know, this is another Apple product. I want to check it out. I want to go into the stores. And that's really their advantage. They have this retail presence where they're going to start showing off the Apple Watch beginning April 10th, two weeks before it comes to market on April 24th. So they have that advantage. They don't have to rely on places like Future Shop or The Source, which aren't, you know, where the employees aren't necessarily as well trained as Apple, you know, Apple retail staff themselves to sell these products. So I think that people are going to learn very quickly how to use it. It's just that whether they feel it's a worthwhile investment, whether it actually saves them time from using their smartphone, whether it adds value to their lives by say, accessing an Uber from your wrist rather than opening your smartphone and doing the same, that remains to be seen. Dan, when Apple releases the, the new uh, iPhone, we always see lineups at the stores. Do you think we're going to see the similar kind of lineups for the Apple Watch? <laughs> you know, I'm very curious about that. I actually, 
I hope not. And not because I want this product to fail. I think it'll be a very big product for Apple. I think it'll be a great success. But I want people to be skeptical of this. It's only because later on, I want them to be delighted by it. And that's up to Apple, really. I, I don't think that it has that delight factor just yet, the way that you turn on an iPhone and you download the apps you love and it just works and it's fantastic. I think the experience has so much potential because Apple's going to invest in this. But I think like the first generation of anything, people need to be skeptical and need to go into it knowing that it's definitely going to improve in the second, third, and fourth generations, and they need to evaluate whether it can fit into their lives. I'm hoping it makes me better looking. <laughs> I don't know if anything can make you better <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, would you, would you go out and buy one, Dan? Not at first. I want to wait a few months to see how developers approach the platform. That's really going to what, what makes or breaks the Apple Watch. The Android Wear ecosystem has taken a long time to catch on, and it's because as inherently valuable as it is to receive notifications from your phone on your wrist, there's a lot less you can do on your wrist when it comes to performing actions. You know, and uh, Apple's been very active on showing off what developers can do, but there haven't been that many examples that would benefit Canadians yet. A lot of the examples were for, um, you know, things like um, taxi services that you can't really get in Canada, although they did show off Uber, which is available here. Uh, Starwood uh, Hotels, you can use your watch. Dan, I'm just going to have to cut you off here. We're going to have to take a break. If you'll hang on the line, we'll uh, talk a little more about Apple Watch after this break. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We're talking Apple smartwatch. They just had that big announcement uh, on uh, Monday. Hopefully, uh, I guess for them, they're hoping to light the watch world on fire, much like they did with phones and tablets and digital music players. On the line right now, we have Dan Bader. He's the editor-in-chief of Mobile Syrup. Hey, Dan, just before we get into the the Apple Watch again, tell our our listeners about uh, your website. Yeah, Mobile Syrup is, uh, we hope, the premier place to find out about all the mobile news and reviews for Canadians. So anything from latest iPhone review to the uh, best apps uh, for your your vacation, uh, we try to have it all. It's a very cool website. Uh, you know, if you get a chance, check out uh, Mobile Syrup. Uh, it's one that I go to every day, actually, because I'm into smartphones. Oh. Well, um, so, so we're talking the Apple uh, smartwatch. Uh, just before the break, uh, you were saying that some of these main apps weren't really available in Canada yet. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Apple tends to focus on markets that they know they'll penetrate very easily and quickly, and they work with American developers. You know, one of the main um, announcements for the iPhone 6 was was obviously Apple Pay, the ability to pay at a terminal uh, with your phone at, at most uh, big retail stores. That's not yet available in Canada. That's one of the mainstay features of the Apple Watch as well. It can also perform as a, as a payment uh, service, uh, payment terminal. And that's not available in Canada. We don't know when it's coming. Uh, they've partnered with, you know, American Airlines, for example. But they are making cer- certain announcements. That, uh, of, of course, airlines are a big part of this whole uh, intelligent lifestyle, um, you know, network. And they have uh, uh, Air Canada and WestJet creating experiences for 
the Apple Watch. They also have a few interesting Canadian companies like The Score, uh, which is a, a, a you know sort of a smart a startup success story. One of the biggest names in mobile sports. They're creating an, a news app experience for the Apple Watch, where you can check the latest scores and highlights. So that will be interesting. But the big question is whether or not people really want to read the news on their wrist. And I, I think that's going to be a question that is is going to continue for a very long time in the smartwatch world. Andy, you've got a smartwatch on. You've got the Motorola, which I, I think is probably one of the nicer Android ones out there because it actually uh, doesn't look like you're like a Borg implanted with some sort of thing <laughs> on your wrist. It looks like a, a nice watch. Yeah, actually, no, I've switched now. Okay. I'm now wearing the Sony SmartWatch 3, Okay, which that, I don't even know if it's out yet. That but makes you look like a Borg. Yeah, this one looks yeah. like a Borg because it's square. And the thing I like about the Moto 360 is that it's round, yeah. like like watches. So are you, are you actually using it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I actually like it because uh, what it does is it gives you push notifications of something that's happening on your smartphone. So instead of having to open my phone, I can see, oh, Mike just text me because I get a kind of a vibration. Yeah. That my, my, my issue with all these smartwatches and including the Apple Watch is the battery life, Dan. We, we didn't know in September how long the battery power was going to be on the watch. And now we find out it's about 18 hours, according to Apple. But that still means you're going to have to charge it every night. Yeah. And... Tim Cook, the Apple CEO, made that very clear right from the, the start. You will have to charge this every night like your phone. Uh, I agree with you there. The, the beauty of a watch is, is really that you, you put it on in the morning and you take it off at night and you don't need to worry about it. Uh, there's, there's a new, you know, there's a learning procedure here. You, you really have to relearn how to wear a watch with a smartwatch. Um, the, the thing about, you know, Android Wear the, the first devices um, that I wore didn't last very long. They, they lasted maybe 12 to 15 hours. But the one that you have on, the SmartWatch 3, has one of the bigger batteries in uh, the Android Wear ecosystem. And I wear that too. And I can go two days, sometimes even three, without charging it. And that makes a big difference, not having to remember every night to charge it. If I'm, you know, at the office and I'm like, oh, I didn't charge my, my watch last night, I can just plug it in for 10 minutes and, and top it up. That makes a big difference. But if, that's, if the watch is going to die at 9 p.m. and you're like, oh, crap, I might as well just take it off and charge it, you may not get into the habit of wearing it all the time. And that's what Apple needs in order to be successful. Well, I guess we're going to have to find out. Dan, uh, for my birthday, if you've got one of those spare uh, Apple Watch editions, <laughs> uh, you can send it my way. Mike, I will put you down on the list. I've had a few requests similar to that already. But you know what? If you have me on your show again, I may bump you up the list. I just want to quickly switch gears here, uh, you being a mobile expert. Uh, one of the other announcements that Apple had was uh, a new MacBook, uh, MacBook 12-inch. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, my gosh, this thing is the most beautiful little notebook I have ever seen in my life. And like, It really, I, really I, is. I can't even believe how thin it is. It's 13.1 millimeters thin. It's the thinnest notebook Apple's ever made. It's not the thinnest notebook ever. Every other PC manufacturer made that very clear the moment it was announced. Lenovo has a thinner one that's uh, you know a similar type of design. But you know Apple is very proud of its design and the fact that it fills all the gaps inside the chassis with batteries. So battery life is going to be between 9 and 11 hours, depending on how you use it. But the thing that really separates the MacBook from the rest of the app, from the, the Mac lineup, is that it has a single port. That's weird, eh? port to do everything, to charge it, to plug in an external monitor, and to plug in your other devices. Yeah, it's a very forward-thinking product that actually may be too forward-thinking right now 
because nobody has anything that runs this new cable. Yeah, it's, it's a very a, weird cable. Yeah, it's called a USB uh, C type C type C yeah. port. Uh, it's tiny. It's almost like the lightning connector. Uh, the 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 plug that goes into it can go both ways, so you don't have to worry about that. But uh, like you're saying, Dan, it's for everything. The power. Uh, if you want to plug in a printer, if you want to plug in another uh, monitor, uh, but like, how are you going to do that? Like, either you have to keep switching things, or you're going to have to get a little dongle uh, that's like attached off the side of this thing. And from what I've been reading, that extra dongle is like eighty bucks. Oh, it's eighty U.S. It's ninety nine Canadian. <laughs> oh, great, <Wow>. great. <laughs> and that allows you to plug in. So that it's a dongle that plugs into that port that allows you to then charge your computer plug in a single USB and an HDMI port for an external monitor or a projector. So you can do three things at once with it, but for the foreseeable future, pretty much everybody who buys this computer is going to need that dongle because none of your phones have this USB Type-C connector yet. And they won't for the next couple of maybe the next six months to a year. So you're wondering, okay, well, this is clearly a very revolutionary device, but Google just announced a new computer, the new Chromebook Pixel, that has a similar setup where it has this USB Type-C connector, but it also has two regular USB connectors for legacy products. And I think that would have been the way to go for Apple to avoid this whole mess, at least until 2016, 2017, when this standard is a little bit more widely accepted. They're always uh, ahead of the curve on that. I mean, they basically killed the floppy drive and then the CD drive, uh, and now they're trying to basically kill all the ports. <laughs> the, uh, what, what's interesting is that Tim Cook said at the event that it's a wireless future, and we're just getting here before everybody else. And he's right. I don't, rem- I don't remember the last time I needed a DVD drive. I don't miss it. All my content is downloaded by the Internet now. But... I charge my phone and I do other things with my with my accessories when I plug them into my computer and that's not going anywhere. So I, I think to only include one port was it's it's a little bit punitive because they're they're they are, as I said, forcing people to buy this dongle. And I'll be buying it. <laughs> of course you will. And I will too. I mean, let's be honest, we're all gonna buy one because it's a beautiful computer. I know, but we're all whining about it, but we're gonna buy it. Dan, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the show. Your website again? MobileSyrup.com. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Always a pleasure. That was uh, our good friend Dan Bader, editor-in-chief over at Mobile Syrup. Fantastic website if you're into uh, smartphones or apps. You you have to check it out. Going to quickly open up the phone lines, take a few calls. 604-280-9898. Long distance, it's 1-877-399-9898. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here. We've opened up the phone lines, so we'll take a couple calls uh, before the end of the hour. Andy also announced uh, at that Apple event uh, the Apple TV. They have uh, a new subscription service for HBO. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's available in Canada yet. Yeah, I haven't I haven't checked it out. It I don't would... think so. Um, HBO, obviously a very popular cable channel in the U.S. They make awesome shows like True Detective, Game of Thrones. Now you can subscribe to that channel all by itself for 15 bucks a month mm-hmm. through the Apple TV. It, Crazy. It, well, it's interesting. Why didn't they just open it up to everything? Um, why make that exclusive kind of deal with Apple? But at, at the same time, 
people that have Apple products tend to want to consume a lot of content, and that is a really good Well, and that's of- the thing. You know, you look at uh, the smartphone world and apps. Uh, even though there are more Android phones out there, Apple still makes more money with their app store than the Android store, the Google Play store. Yes. Um, I think they Apple have. Use, Apple users buy more stuff. Well, absolutely. Um, they tend to be have more money, too, because yeah. to, um, Apple products are very, very expensive. And, and now I have no more money because I buy Apple products. Well, that's why you're always broke, Mike. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they also lowered the price. I don't know what the price in Canada will be yet, but uh, it used to be $99 uh, in the U.S., uh, I think 109 up here. Uh, in the U.S., they've lowered the price down to 69 bucks for the Apple TV. Yeah, well, we've seen all the other streaming boxes. Uh, the prices are really gone down over yeah. the last couple of years. I, re- I remember before the the boxy box. Yeah, what was that? Two hundred dollars when oh, it yeah. first came out. Yeah, and now you're seeing things like the Roku at around a uh, hundred dollars, and then of course you have the Chromecast, which is like thirty five dollars. So Crazy of course cheap. Apple had to to you know find a, a price point that would work with consumers. Going to jump here to the phone line. We've got a few calls. We've got uh, is it Marie? Are yes, on- it is. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. A uh, couple questions about ransomware. Yeah. Because I got uh, hit with it this week, and it's my fault for not having the proper antivirus software. Um, but I, I'm running uh, Malwarebytes and, and ABG now, and my que- I got a couple of questions. Is how do I know if my computer is really, really safe? Like, do I need to wipe it and, and re-image it, or is there a risk of them getting back in? Uh, you know, that's a fantastic question. You know, unfortunately, sometimes when this malware uh, gets into the system, even though you might wipe your computer, sometimes it can even remain. Uh, you know, the safest thing to do is just make sure that uh, you do have antivirus, anti-malware software loaded on the system. It's not enough anymore, in my opinion, just to use the um, antivirus that comes with Windows, for example. I mean, it's it's a good first step, but... I, th- I really feel you got to look at some of these other options on the market to make sure you're truly protected. But uh, I think for the most part, if you've got that um, stuff running on your machine now, uh, I think you should be in, in pretty good shape. Yeah, the, the thing about malware is that it can lay dormant on your computer for a long time, and then the hackers can activate it when when they please. So the best bet is to use a lot of different antivirus, make sure it's clean, um, especially inside your registry. So something like even like the Fix Me stick, I think, would be a good solution. It's a USB stick that you would basically reset your computer. It runs its own antivirus. It downloads the latest antivirus, and this happens all before Windows boots up. It downloads the latest antivirus, cleans your computer inside the registry, and then it will start up. So it's the kind of solution you do when you know or think you have malware and you want to wipe it off inside your registry so that... Um, and all this happens before Windows boots up, which ensures that those things are being um, taken care of before your computer boots up. Uh, yeah, so Marie, I think you've uh, taken some good steps there. I, I think you should probably be okay. Mike from Langley, how you doing, Mike? Good, good. good. Um, I, actually, Marie pretty much had what I was talking about. I got the annual survey virus, and I've spent five days trying to get it out, and I guess my question really is, you guys were talking about nobody loads from a DVD drive. It's all downloadable. What do you guys, what do the experts use to keep viruses out? Uh, good good question. Um, you know, on a few of my computers, uh, I, I do have the Norton, uh, you know, uh, antivirus package. Uh, they've got some good deals on that. You can get like a, a five-pack license uh, for really inexpensive, you know, on a yearly basis. Uh, I also use another program called C Cleaner. 
that actually goes through my registry to make sure that's uh, clean uh, on a regular basis. You know, it, it's unfortunate. I, I don't find that, um, you know, like one package will get everything all the time. It's kind of weird. But yeah. so that's why I try a few different things. I also have a fix me stick as a backup. If everything goes to hell, and sometimes it does. I can basically, you know, reboot my computer with that thing in the, one of the USB uh, ports, and it'll basically clean out my my system. And what's good about it is that it actually works outside of Windows. It's you know operating in its own kind of Linux environment, so uh, it's great at really flushing things out. So that fix me stick has saved me on so many occasions. But it's not really a preventative thing. It's more of like, oh my God, there's a fire. It's the fire extinguisher. Absolutely. I, I tend to not want to put antivirus on my computer because I find it always slows it down, especially Norton. That was like the worst. It's it's a lot better now. I, has it gotten better? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've, uh, they've cleaned that thing up dramatically. Yeah. It, it used to slow the system down. And it would always come like pre-installed on the computers that yeah. you would buy and it would just slow everything. Um, what I use is AVG. I yep. found that they have a really, They're really simple too. dashboard that can clean your computer. It has the latest antivirus. And um, if I just want to check something out, I use something called F-Secure, which is an online antivirus that you don't have to put software on there, and it will scan your computer and take care of it. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, it's App of the Week time with Christina Stoyanova. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike and Andy here. It's that time of the week, App of the Week with Christina. What do you got for us, Christina? I have an app for learning a new language today. Okay. Other than English. Other than English, yes. <laughs> Although English is an option, but I guess that's for... Very cool. And uh, what's country. it called? It's called Drops. Drops. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The reason it's called Drops is because it relies on... Um, space repetition and so you only learn words for five minutes a day and then it starts a countdown timer for 24 hours and then you come back to it in 24 hours and do another five minutes Uh, but basically it's quite repetitive it goes over the same words it's for learning vocabulary specifically goes over the same words Um, so what they've done is they've picked 460 words that are the core vocabulary that people use and put them into this game and they're little word games. That's interesting. So they're, they're, they're saying basically if you can learn 400 words in this language, whatever language you, you have a a start. Yeah. You've captured, you know, most of daily conversation that way. Like help. I can't find my pants or something like that. Yes, because you often need to say that. <laughs> and what, what languages are available? Uh, so there's Spanish, uh, German, French, and English, I believe. And have, have you tried it yourself? Oh, sorry, and Italian. And Italian. That's what I was missing. And, and you've tried it? I tried it with Spanish because I already speak a bit, bit of Spanish, so I was just interested to see um, what it would come up with. Can, can it help Andy and I speak better English? That's probably the question. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> and how much is it? It's free from the App Store. So what's the catch? So they obviously want you to buy something. Uh, there are some in-app purchases, and you can actually unlock more minutes by sharing on Facebook and things like that. So if you want to add, like, three minutes to your daily five minutes. So, um, like, eight minutes. Yeah, exactly. I'll be speaking Spanish in no time. There you go. <laughs> I'm lazy. I'm just going to use Google Translate. I know that's you pretty You say amazing. it in English and it translates to a different language. It actually speak it for you too. Yeah, it does. So you can go to like a Starbucks in Japan and make your order and just show them your phone. Like you talk to your phone and then 
You show the, the person. A- that... AJ did that. He did. So, yeah, AJ, who's on our TV show with us, uh, he went traveling in Asia to Japan and had Google Translate. And basically, uh, in restaurants, he would speak into the phone, and then it would speak in Japanese. Yeah. And they loved it, too. The Japanese were like, oh, this is awesome. This is a way. And then they can speak in Japanese, and then it translates back to English. But it'll do signs now as well. Yeah. Like, you hold up your smartphone, have the camera on with Google Translate, and hold it up to a sign. And, like, right on the sign depending on what language, it'll actually translate the sign. It's like spooky. It, like, it, it'll it translate is. the sign like right there. Yes, and it's just using the optical character recognition, I would imagine. Yeah. And then it figured out what the word is, and then it just finds the translation version. Or, and even their websites, they do a really good job. If you ever try to use a website that's in a different language, you just hit Google Translate, and it will translate that website for you. Or we could do it the hard way and try to actually learn the language with Drop. Yeah, you know, hard way is one way of looking at it, I suppose. <laughs> so old school, Christina. <laughs> Available uh, on the App Store and Google Play? No, just iOS for this one. Yeah. So all the time we have left. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Andy Brar, my co-host and producer, and Christina Stoinova for coming in with App of the Week. Andy, Mike, and Christina logging off. We'll see you again next time.